0: We've been in a series called Explore God, and it's just at, trying to answer some questions, spiritual questions that people might be asking. Week number one, uh, what's your purpose? And you can look at that online. Last week, is there a God? This week, why does God allow pain and suffering? And, and, and you know, I'm here, let me just give you some examples. I'm in a small group with a guy, Todd Mattingly. He has a friend, 51 years old, just diagnosed with liver cancer. It's went to his bones. It's, it's stage four. Outside a miracle of God, he will not see his kids graduate from high school. Why, why God, you're so good. Why, why does that happen? In our fostering network here at the church, there's a three-year-old little girl that has third-degree burns on, his, on her face and neck because of a biological mom that burned her with acid. If there's a good God, why, 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 does that, why does that happen? Last week, we had a memorial service for a young man who really died what should be the prime of his life. Why? Why? why Why did I have to do that service, and and why was that mom and dad grieving? If there is a God, let's explore it. Why is there so much pain and suffering? And uh, I I want you to be thinking about the struggle, the challenge, the difficulty that you might be going through this morning or this season in your life. And At the end of the service, we're going to ask God, I'm going to do my best to try to resource you. We're going to look at the sources and then give you resources, give you tools to help you get through it. But ultimately, God's the only one. God is the one that can help. God is the one that can make a way where there seems to be no way. And, and, and I can preach, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to give you my best for the next 30 minutes. But what you need is an encounter with God. What you need is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. What you need is to respond. You need to respond to God's word and receive from his grace. And so at the end of this time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I don't want us to rush. I don't want us to hurry. I want us to receive all that God has for us. Amen, everybody. Don't you want that? So so, what, so what are, why do we suffer? What are the sources of suffering? If you've got theology that does not include suffering, you've got the wrong theology. Because all throughout the Word of God, you'll see it over and over again, suffering, challenges, difficulty, trials, tribulation. And you say, Pastor, we'll... Can you just be more positive? Okay, I'm positive. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's what Jesus said. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. See, everything we need is found in Jesus, but we've just got to respond to him and receive from him. And so what are the sources of suffering? Has God taken his hand off the world and just left it to its own? What, what, and how do we respond to that? Here, here's the first thing in your outline. The first source of suffering is just sin. This is not the world God created. This is not the place God originally planned. In the beginning, it was a perfect world without sin, without pain, without suffering. A world without trial, a world without tribulation. But with Adam's disobedience, everything changed. Everything changed. Listen to what it says in Genesis. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will Struggle. There, there's, you're going to have some challenges. When Adam chose to disobey, the world was knocked off balance. Sin brought sickness and strife. Sin brought accidents and harm. Sin caused hatred and murder. Sin created suffering and difficult situations. The fact we live in a fallen world means we're going to experience some pain. So, wh- so what do we do? We live in this fallen world. It has nothing to do with what we've done. We were just born into it. We 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 just we are just in it now. So how do we respond to it? Well, I will tell you we don't quit, we don't give in. We fight the good fight, we stand on God's word, but we also realize this isn't our home. This isn't all there is. Life is but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. We are strangers. We are aliens. We we are pilgrims the Bible calls. We're the Bible says we're sojourners. Here's how Paul described it. But our citizenship is in heaven. Man, we're just on a temporary green card. We're on a work visa. We're, We're on a temporary permit. This is not our final home. This is not our destination. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you've been, if you've surrendered your life to Christ and been washed by the by the blood of Jesus, you're, this isn't it. You, one day you're going to be taken to where, where Christ is even preparing for us now. Therefore, we eagerly await a savor from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. And, and I want us to get, I mean, I want, I want to be like that. I want to look forward to it. And the reality is, I mean, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. And every, everybody thinks of it. But, but I, think, I think we've got so accustomed and so conditioned to this world that we're not living with an eternal perspective. And we're not living in the light of eternity. And we don't realize that, that this is not all there is. And maybe it's because our assumption of heaven is wrong. Maybe we've, we've thought in our minds that it's only an alternative to an intolerable existence. On this planet, maybe maybe we think that that it's only for old people, or disabled people, or for suffering and persecuted. They might enjoy heaven, but we we live on this earth, and we've got we've got so much to live for. If we really got a good glimpse of heaven, the way the Bible portrays it, that in the presence of God with our resurrected bodies, it's going to be so rewarding and so fulfilling that even the youngest and healthiest should look forward to it. Our picture of of heaven should be what earth was intended to be before the fall. And the new earth and new heaven, there'll be no more doctors, no more hospitals, no more surgeons. You know this, but be reminded of it. No more chemotherapy, no more hospice, no more physical therapy, no more wheelchairs, no more pain, no more suffering, no more insecurity, no more depression. Sin brings death, and because Jesus conquered death, Jesus brings life spiritual life and emotional life and and physical life and relational life. Total healing for all God's people forever. That's why Paul, with such confidence, said, this one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind, I'm not going to get rooted down to this earth. I'm not going to make this my home. I'm going to continually realize that I'm just passing through, and I am going to press forward. I'm going to lean ahead. I'm going to strain ahead. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to go after the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, the reason I pursue godliness, and, and you guys, you know, I, I try to be transparent enough where I have struggles, I have issues, this... This sermon is for me today. I need to be reminded of it. I need to be aware of it. But I do try to live righteous. I don't hit it right all the time. But, but I, I love the fact that in Jesus, I have the confidence that he's for me and therefore who can be against me. I have a peace in the fact that all things work for my good because I love him and are called according to his purpose. I have security in the fact that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I have confidence in the fact that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. I have assurance that if he clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, how much more is he going to take care and watch over me? There are earthly benefits to serving Jesus. Just because God is my Lord and Jesus is my Savior and the Holy Spirit is my God. I mean, there there are so many rewards and so many blessings. And I would do it if it were only for the earthly rewards. But there's so much more. There's eternity forever. And I'm so looking forward and I'm so trying to live in such a way is that when I'm ushered into the presence of God, I'm going to hear, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you over many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. See, here's the deal. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we'll soon experience. And so we, we've got to have, when it comes to sin in a fallen world and suffering and, and accidents and harm, we've got to have it with an eternal perspective that life is short, heaven is for real, and eternity is forever. Here, here, here's another thing about, about uh, challenges, our, our struggles, our pain and suffering. What's the source? Satan. And you've you got to be reminded of this. you got to be aware of this and know this again. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I just want to bring attention or, or maybe cast some warning, those that you think that you've got it all together and everything's going good right now and I don't need to worry. This me- you've even checked out because this message isn't for me. I want, I want you to be on full alert and be, con- and, and be aware because we have an enemy, and, and I don't want to make him bigger and badder than he is, but he, he's been doing it a long time, and, and he knows human nature, and he knows human tendency, and he knows your weakness, and he knows your struggle, and he knows where he can best uh, uh, get, up, get you and distract you. And he is coming to, well, what's he want to do to me? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy He wants to distract you. He wants to detour you. He wants to rob you of your victory and your life in Jesus. He's determined to cause you to forfeit your salvation. He wants to deceive and disrupt and destroy your faith. Therefore, resist him and stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the whole world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's not not new for you. It's not just happening to you. There isn't... And here's what Ephesians says, "For, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, and the rulers and the authorities of this dark world. And you say, that sounds like a science fiction movie. What? What are you talking about? I'm talking to you that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. And Jesus said if you're a believer, you've been caught out of darkness into light that you should declare the marvelous and the wonderful works of God. But there are still is the kingdom of darkness. And he is on a mission to kill, steal, and destroy. And you need to be prepared and you need to be ready. So what do I do? Here's what you do. You armor up. You you, you put on the defensive strategy and weapons and tools so that you can defeat the enemy you put on the belt of truth which just declares the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world with any enemy you you always want to respect them but you never want to fear them with any adversary you always want to respect them but you never want to fear them you don't have to fear the enemy because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world the spirit of god lives on the inside of you and you're able to do you're because of god's strength you're able to defeat him but you've got to put on the belt of truth you've got to take up the shield of faith which just says there's no weapon formed against me shall prosper you've got to unleash the, the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and you know the enemy's tactics it's lies you're not going to make it you're a failure you're never going to accomplish this. You're never going to succeed. There you go again. You failed again. You, don't, you shouldn't even be a Christian. You shouldn't raise your hands. Look how you live this life. It's all lies. And the only, the only thing that you can defeat the lies is the truth of God's word. Satan, you're a liar. The word, I know who I am in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, my, my king. He's given me everything I need for life and godliness. He's for me and not against me. You're trying to convince me I'm sick and dying. He said I'm healed and whole. You're trying to tell me I'm famished and broke. He says I'm going to prosper and exceed. I'm going to stand on God's word and declare his promises over my life. When When the enemy comes in and starts trying to cause chaos and havoc in your life, you can tuck your tail and run, or you can resist him, remind him of who you are in Christ and renounce him according to the truth in God's word. You got to identify. I want you to identify. Is it is Satan what's causing the struggle, the issue? Is it sin? Or, or thirdly, is it salvation? Well, what do you, what do you mean, salvation? This is, this is what I mean. According to 1 Peter 4, dear friends, do not... Be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. He goes on to say, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of the glory and of God rests in you. It, Paul's talking to an audience that's suffering Because they put their faith in Jesus. And he's saying, don't be upset when people put you down. And don't be surprised when people challenge your faith. And don't be alarmed when people question your lifestyle. And don't be shook up when people question your motives. There will be people who don't like you, who don't want to get along with you, who will be upset with you, who will disapprove you for no other reason but because you've decided to sell out for Jesus. And Jesus said it, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Jesus suffered persecution and so will we. We should expect it, be prepared for it and realize it's going to happen. It seems, it appears in God's word that in fact if we're not under some persecution, if we're not experiencing challenges based on based on nothing more than we put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we're not being questioned, our motives aren't, aren't being, being questioned, our lifestyle is not being judged, then maybe we're, not, maybe we're not taking a strong enough stand for Jesus. Maybe the reason that we're not under any persecution is because we're not doing anything for God. But if we, when we stand for God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's a time where we're going to be tempted and be, and people are going to want us to throw us in the fiery furnace. There is going to be kings and rulers that will come on the scene that are going to want us to bow down before a false God and a false way of thinking and a way that is contrary to the word of God. And if we're going to, if we're going to not bow to that or bend to that, but be strong in the face of that, we are going to endure. We're going to have to endure some, some struggles, some challenges, some difficulties. So, so what do you do? You stand firm and don't be ashamed. Christians are being blamed for a lot of what's going on in America today. We, they, they want to paint a picture of us and, and 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 some of it's true. And we need to we need to unpaint this picture and we need to do a better job. But they're trying to say we're intolerant, unwilling to change, unwilling to accept lifestyles that are contrary to the word of God, unaccepting of others' fault. They're trying to label us, us as the bad guy. And here's what Peter says, he says, don't start a holy war. Don't go on a Twitter war. Don't, don't go ballistic on Facebook and, and start bashing everything and everybody. Don't get mad and, and go nuts. He says, live such good lives among the pagans. Let your actions be different. Let your countenance be different. Let your response be different. Not responding with hate, but responding with love. Not responded with, 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 with a lack of grace, but with compassion and, and empathy and sympathy and understanding. Live such good lives among the pagans, though they accuse you of doing wrong. They see your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits us. He goes on to say, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you even bear his name. Don't be ashamed of of being called a follower of Christ. Don't be embarrassed that you're different from your coworkers and neighbors concerning your values and morals. Don't feel guilty about not letting your kids go to places that do not edify God or build up their faith. Don't Don't be timid about blessing your food in public. The other day I was at, I was at chick-fil-A imagine that chick-fil-A during the week Pastor stand at chick-fil-A he never, I, you know and I, I was sitting with two of my kids, and there was a couple that sat down beside us and and, and they, they they stopped, they paused, they took each other 's hand, and they weren 't obnoxious they weren 't like, look at me they weren 't loud, very reverently, and, and very together. They, they just took a, a minute or so. I mean, it felt like a long time. They took some time to just pray over their food. And, and I thought to myself, man, I was inspired. I was convicted. I was encouraged. I was like, man, we need more people like that. We, we need to be people that are not ashamed of the gospel of God because it's the power of God for the salvation of all men. And I'm, just, I'm praying, God, God. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be proudful. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to come across as intolerant. But I want to be as bold as a lion. I want to stand for truth. I want to stand for righteousness. And I want to do it in a way that is attractive and appealing to lost people. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. The Bible says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed when He comes in His Father's glory with His holy angels. I'm, I, I want to encourage this church. Let's let's not keep backing up to the cultures and the convictions of this world. And again, we've 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 got to be uh, we've got to be smart about it. We've got to be spirit led about it. We've got to be. That's why you can't d- depend on your own wisdom. You can't depend on your own power. You can't depend on your own understanding. We need, a fra- we need an encounter with the living God on a regular basis so that we enter this world. We're not operating in our own strengths, but we're operating by the divine gifts that he's imparted to us. To us. That's worth saying amen. It's worth saying something for. Lord, help us to be all that you intended. Not to be ashamed. Not to back down. Not to give in. But to stand up for truth. And declare your goodness to be people caught out of darkness into his light. We're going to suffer if you live out your faith at times. So what do I do? You rejoice that you're suffering for the name of Christ. You stand firm and and don't be ashamed. Here's here's another thing. It's just stretching. And again, what what do I mean by that? Here's what Paul said. We also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. There is something about trials and struggles and challenges that get us in a posture where God can move in our lives where God can do something in us. I, ne- I didn't come to know God as my provider until I went into the ministry making $400 a month, not knowing where really our next paycheck would come from. I, it, it was at that struggle and at that challenge and at that difficulty where I've come to know that God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory, that I've never seen the righteous suffering The the righteous hungry are his seed begging for bread. It was in the time of that struggle where I really came to know that, God, you not only feed the birds of the air and clothe the lilies of the field, but you have promised to take care of me. And he did. I did not really come. I mean, I, I came to know God as healer in a hospital room with my oldest son fighting meningitis. And with all the negative reports that were coming back and where we got on our face before God and said, God, we need a miracle. God, we need a healing. It was in that trial in that hospital room where I got a fresh revelation of who God was and what God is about. A lot of times that's the only place you can come to know God in a greater way. And we run from the trial and we try to avoid the trial and we disrupt the process. And we want to get out of the, you, you, you can't be refined unless you go through the fire. You can't, you can't be all God wants you to be unless you, un- unless you go through a little heat. And I want to encourage you in the trial, don't run from it. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I'm not saying embrace it, but I'm saying, and this is what Jesus is saying, hey, I don't want you to just walk through it. I want to walk with you through it. I want you to come through it on the other side, more confident in who you are in me better able to respond to my voice, a greater sensitivity to the hurting around you. I want you to come out of the furnace, out of this trial, out of the struggle, in a closer walk and a deeper relationship and a greater love and a heart for the things of God. So what do I do? I rejoice. Here's what, here's what James said. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith Produces perseverance. That trial is producing something. Don't short circuit the process. Don't bail out. Don't quit. Don't give in. Stay on the potter's wheel. Stay connected to Christ. Because if you'll let perseverance finish its work, you're going to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's what God wants for you. Mature and complete, not lacking anything anything. So, so you got sin and stretching and Satan. And here's, here's the fifth one I want to talk about. It's just self. And again, what, what, what do I mean by that? When I, when I talk about self, I, I just mean it's, it's our unwillingness to submit to God's plan, to surrender to his leadership or to obey his word. When you suffer because of self, it's unnecessary there are some things in life that you have no control over, and, and you just got to go with it. But there are some things that you can control. And when I'm, when I'm talking about this suffering, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a response or it's a consequence of not obeying God's word. Here's, here's what the Proverbs writer said. A man's own folly ruins his life, his own stupidity, his own lack of judgment, his own unwillingness to submit and surrender to God's word. It ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We do our own thing. We live for self. We make our own decisions. We don't, we, don't, we don't submit to God's plan. We don't come under God's word, and it doesn't work out the way we want it to, and we get mad at God, and our heart rages against the Lord. This is what I found out about my kids. I have a 22-year-old, a 20-year-old. I have a, a 16-year-old, a 5-year-old. My older kids, I think they know I love them. I mean, they've been around long enough where, where, where my love, I think, and I think if you got them up here, they'd say, yeah, my dad loves me. They don't doubt my love. I'll tell you what they do doubt. They doubt my wisdom. They, dad, I'm 22. You're 46. You are archaic. You don't know what you're talking about. My 16-year-old, Dad, you went to high school back in the dark ages. It's so different nowadays. You, you, don't, know, you, you don't know what you're even talking about. And they they, they wouldn't say it. Th- they think that. So when I give them something to do or I tell them, hey, you might want to avoid this. You want to stay out of this. Oh, Dad's just a killjoy. Dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Dad, he, he's just living in another generation, another century. I think we do that with God. I think we say, God, I know that you love me, but I don't know if you're as smart as you say you are. You've been around a long time, and things have changed. And I, I think I know, I think I know a little bit better than you do. And that kind of thinking gets you in all kind of trouble. That, that's that, that's that self, that's that folly, and it ruins, and it ruins it ruins your life. I love, I love Psalms 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Remember David? He's out on the pasture. He's writing love songs, and he, and he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is what David knows. He's a kid, but he's smart enough to know that you're going to have a shepherd. Somebody's gonna, you know what a shepherd is? It's a leader. It's a guide. It's a, it's a commander. You're going to have a leader. You're going to have a shepherd. Your, your shepherd might be you. Your shepherd might be a job. Your shepherd might be another person, but somebody's going to lead you. You're going to make decisions based on your leader. You're going to make, you're going to make, you're going to base your wisdom on what's guiding you, on what's driving you. David is saying, everybody has a shepherd, but I'm just declaring right now, God's my shepherd. He's going to be my leader. He's going to be my God. And he's, and, and, and as God is my shepherd, I'm not going to want, and then he says this, and he makes me lie down and green pastures. Do you, do you know when you take Jesus as your shepherd, he's going to make you do some things. He's going he's going to well there's the pushback. There, I'm not going to serve a shepherd that's going to make me, make, me, make me do something. Well, I, well, if you don't, you better pick another shepherd. Because if Jesus is going to be your shepherd, you're going to have to adhere to. You're going to have to come under. You're going to have to submit to. You're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to come under the allegiance of Christ and become a follower of God. And you say, well, why? what gives him the right to tell me what to do? Because he's got nail prints in his hands. Because he's got nail prints in his feet. Because he's our high priest who has been tempted in every way we were, but was without sin. He can empathize with you. He can sympathize with you. He knows your every struggle. He knows your every care. And if you'll cast it upon him, he'll help you and walk with you. He's a good shepherd, but he's going to make you do some things if you're going to follow him. And when we decide not to follow him, that's where we get in trouble. Don't expect God's blessing. Don't expect... Don't get mad at God when things turn out sour when we don't do it God's way. Pastor, our, my marriage is in struggle. It's struggling. I need help. Okay. Here's what you do. Put the other first. Well, they got to put me first first. They, instead of acting like adults, they start acting like kids. I'm not going to. He's got to do something nice for me. He's got to do something sweet for me. No, no. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit. But in humility, hey, you want your marriage to be good? Humble yourself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You take the first step. Forgive. Forgive your spouse. Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know the pain they've put me through. I'm not not making light of that. But if you want your marriage to make it, you're going to have to forgive. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you can't even receive forgiveness. I know what Jesus says, but he didn't know the problem I was in. Well, okay, why don't you start dating each other? Go on a date every now and then. We don't even like each other. What do you mean? We're, we're not going to sit across the table from each other and try to talk. Well, well, you've got, you got to get some help. Go find a marriage mentor. Go, some, go find somebody that can walk alongside you. No, we're not going to do that. We're too proud for that. Then here's the reality. Stay in the mess you're in. And get ready for your kids to be affected and your home to become a, a war zone. If you're not willing to do it God's way, don't expect God's blessing. Don't, don't let your own folly ruin your marriage and they get mad at God because it's not working out. If you're not willing to submit to the way God wants you to do it and the way God wants you to honor it, then, then, then you're taking God out of the equation. And without God in the equation, you're living by your own folly and it will ruin Pastor, my finances are in shambles. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're, we're, we're laying on our rent again. I'm not going to make it. We seem to get in this pattern all the time. you got to help me. you gotta, you got you to do something. Okay, are you tithing? No, we're not tithing. We, we can't afford to tithe. Do you realize tithing opens up your hand so you can receive from God? Do you know that when you don't tithe, you're robbing God? You're robbing him of the opportunity to work on your behalf. You're saying God I don't want you involved in my money. I'm keeping you out of it until I'm desperate. Well, get on a budget. We tried that. It's too hard. It's too difficult. We're not we we can't get on a budget. Well, we'll live within your means. What do you mean I'm an American? Nobody lives within their means. That's why we have credit cards and that's why we can charge everything. Then I then here here here's a man's own folly ruins his life. If you're not willing to do it God's ways and surrender to God's will, then then don't expect God results. And and we we can get ourselves in so much trouble. We we can we, and some of us we just want a sedative We don't want to change behavior. We just want our pain to be eased. And God doesn't offer a sedative. He gives a solution. But it requires action and discipline and follow through. And you say, Pastor, where is the love? I love you enough to tell you this is the way. Walk ye in it. Come to a conclusion in your mind that his way is The way, not a way, not another way, not a maybe way. His way is the way. He's smarter than you. He knows better than you. He created you. He knows how we ought to live. Find out what he says and do it. So so what do I do? I obey the word of God. And James says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And I want us to be successful, you, me, all of us, to be successful in our spiritual journey. I want us to experience God's blessing and God's presence. I want you to know what it is to walk close with God and to know His grace and His peace. And for that to happen, you have to settle the issue of obedience. You have got to allow Him to be your shepherd. You've got to surrender to His authority. We must decide to obey God regardless of what we think or regardless of what everybody else thinks. Or regardless of what we think it might cost us, or regardless of what our culture is dictating or the world is proclaiming, if we will learn to obey the word of God, we'll be like the house built on the rock. And when the challenges come and when the struggles come and when the difficulties come and when the and when the issues come, if we'll base our life and found our life on the truth found in Scripture, we will be, remain strong by the power of God's grace and by the help of the Holy Spirit. We will be and accomplish and become all that God ordained and all that God destined. Here, here, here's the deal. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Where is it coming from? You've got you've to discern if it's coming because of sin. Take hope in the fact that this is not it that God is coming back, that he is creating a new heaven where there'll be no sin, no sickness, no suffering. If it's because of Satan, armor up, dig in, stand firm, go on the offensive against your enemy. If it's because of salvation, rejoice in the fact that that you're suffering for the cause of Christ. Don't be ashamed, but continue to let your light shine for men. If it's because of stretching... Count it all joy and allow God to develop you and to make you into what he wants and what he desires. And if it's because of yourself, if it's because of your own folly, it's because of your lack of obedience to God's word, turn from your sin. Repent of your sin and commit to following him. Allow him to be your shepherd. Stand on on his promises and he's promised to give you peace. Amen, everybody.